Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 938. I would encourage people to travel as widely as they can, to get your passport, go to other countries, meet people, talk to people, travel by yourself. Don't be afraid of the world. It's a lot of fun and it's enlightening. And I think now more than ever, it's probably important just to come to understanding how other people think in other parts of the world and, you know, what they care about and what their concerns are and to get to know other people as human beings. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Jackie Joray. Hey, Jackie, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am, Mark. All right, here we go. Jackie Joray is an automotive journalist who started working right after graduating from high school on the sports desk for the Oregon Journal. She continued riding through college and graduate school and was drawn into the world of motorsports and motorcycle racing. She became the editor-in-chief of City Bike, and she continues to be a lifelong motorcyclist today. Jackie has worked at Forza, Bimmer, and Ross Periodicals magazines. In addition to editing magazines, she's written extensively for news reporting, car reviews, executive interviews, and history pieces. And today, she writes for Vintage Motorsports magazines, Roundel, and the BMW CCA Foundation. She authored the book Heroes of Bavaria, and she's working on her next exhibit on the BMW 2002. And I remind our listeners, I've had several of Jackie's colleagues here on Cars, yeah, including D. Randy Riggs, who runs Vintage Motorsports, Satch Carlson, editor-in-chief of BMW Club Roundel, Scott Dishman, executive director of the BMW CCA Foundation, and Aaron Jenkins at Ross Periodicals and Forza. So, Jackie, you're in great company here at Cars, yeah? I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Okay, well, I can probably do that. I think my passion for things on wheels started very early. I was just, I was always obsessed with bicycles, with motorcycles, with cars, anything that rolled. And I have no explanation for why that might be the case. It just looked like fun. It looked like something that would be really neat to experience. And I pursued that really all my life. Um, And these days, so I spent 20 years as an editor-in-chief, first of City Bike, and then working at Ross Periodicals, the publishing company, on a variety of magazines. Um, I worked at first on our ill-fated humor magazine and then moved over to the car side, editing Bimmer and later Forza. So I got very heavily involved with both the BMW and the Ferrari worlds. Over the last 15 years, I would say I probably focused exclusively on BMW, which might on the surface sound a little boring, but it actually provided a really interesting window into looking at one company and examining it very closely and from a wide variety of viewpoints, you know, whether from business, new cars, racing, history, design. And that has really been a lot of fun. It's been a lot more engaging than one might assume at face value because it gives you such an up-close look at how the industry works, as opposed to taking Mm. a more scattershot approach and learning broadly about many things, but deeply about nothing. 
So for me, that's <laughs> yes. been really fun. And these days, I'm primarily writing about history. Obviously, as you mentioned, working for the BMW CCA Foundation, producing books to go along with their exhibits, first on Heroes of Bavaria, which was 25 significant race cars. And for next year, we're doing a book and an exhibit on the 2002 to celebrate its 50th anniversary. So that one will be a lot of fun, too. And that's the interesting thing about that is that that's primarily an American story. That car was really Mm. created for the U.S. market. So that's going to give us an opportunity to look at the U.S. market and how one car was influenced by American drivers and how American drivers influenced an entire company as a result. Oh, you know, this is very cool. My listeners know I'm a big BMW fan. I've had four M3s. My wife drives an X5. My daughter drives Mini Coopers. My son drives BMWs. So uh, we're a big-time BMW family here. And uh, shout-out to my good friend Douglas Peterson. He lives near me here. He's got a 2002. He used to take it to the track when I would take my M3 to the track, and we'd go around the track together. So uh, it sounds like you're having fun. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that has meaning for you, and it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So Jackie, take the wheel. I'm not sure I have a real mantra or any sort of quote, but I think um, as a principle that has guided my career, I would say it's really important to do the work, to put in the time and to learn everything you can, and also to take advantage of the opportunities when they present themselves. And Mm. obviously, that's not always easy because we don't always recognize the opportunities when they're right in front of us. (laughs) But (laughs) um, anyway, I would say, you know, do the work. Don't be afraid of the work and work as hard as you can and, you know, give it your all. Yeah, you know, it sounds kind of an easy cliche thing, but sometimes uh, it is not so easy because things can get very complex and convoluted and confusing and all of that. But I love the the way you were talking at the beginning about going very deep and very narrow in your research and, and getting so involved with one mark and learning all about it and all the uh, ethos of that mark. And, of course, BMW has such a rich history and a successful history, not only in the world, but the United States. So uh, do the work. Yeah, sounds simple, but sometimes not so simple. Well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars and motorcycles. You talked about even being a little girl loving bikes and motorcycles, and I think that's kind of rare. Mostly little girls aren't into cars that much, maybe more so now, (laughs) but that's okay. If you were a bit of a tomboy, I would have loved to have played with you with bicycles and skateboards when I was a kid. So tell us about a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were a car gal. I don't know that I could really identify any sort of pivotal moment. You know, as I said, I've always been obsessed with things on wheels. And quite honestly, I'm not sure it really is all that unusual. I think... um, I think people are interested in whatever they're interested in, and I'm not sure that that gender has really much to do with that. Um, I think socialization sometimes discourages us from pursuing our passions. And I think I was extremely lucky in that, you know, my parents just encouraged me to go after whatever I was interested in. Ah. Nice. Well, you're very fortunate to have parents like that. You know, I'm obviously a diehard car guy, and I tried to influence both my kids very heavily to love cars. And my my daughter just, it was never quite her thing. She she would smile and say, okay, Dad, I'll go to Pebble Beach with you. But it was like, 
Are we going to have to do this all day? Uh, they got some cool shops up there I'd like to go to. Uh, my son, a little bit more, but still not as much. But I think you're right. And that's why I love having women on Cars Yeah, because it exposes the fact that to younger women or even older women changing their careers, that the car industry is for all of us. It's not just for men, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, the higher up you go, Certainly, the more secure people become and the more they recognize that. And I think, you know, I I have been asked many times and, you know, you haven't asked me now, but I'll answer the question anyway, is, you know, what's it like being a woman in a male dominated industry? And Mm -hmm. I would say, first of all, it's kind of awesome (laughs) 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 because... I, I do enjoy the company of men. I, and Good. You know, so we so, like your company too, Jackie. <laughs> so, you know, from that standpoint it's 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 really a joy. But from the other from the other perspective, I think that um I have found this to be a very welcoming industry and I think mm. perhaps part of that is that, you know, I take my job seriously and I I mm-hmm. do my prep and when I have interviews scheduled with executives or with designers, I have my questions prepared and I know who they are and I'm ready to do it. And I think, yeah. um, you know, regardless of, you know, any other issues, I think just being a professional is it will open a lot of doors. Yes, absolutely. I think I've had close to 100 women on this show now, which I'm really happy about. And I've heard a lot of the same thing. And of course, one of the well, the first woman I had was Diane Brandon, who's a Bentley Rolls Royce expert, a longtime multi-decade judge at Pebble Beach, wonderful woman who I've become friends with. Um, the late great Denise McCluggage was on the show. I'm so fortunate to have been able to talk with her and meet her and have her as a guest before we lost that uh, marvelous lady. And boy, she was a pioneer back in the day, that's for sure. So it's great to have women in the car industry. I don't know any man who would say otherwise, and if he did, then boo to him. <laughs> Well, let's <laughs> well let's take a look at some of the many dro- roads you've driven down and talk about a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. The great thing about these things in our lives is they teach us very valuable lessons. So tell us about one of yours and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you moved forward in your career and your business. Okay. Well, I think probably the biggest challenge I ever faced was being named the editor of Bimmer Magazine in late 1999. And even though I would have called myself a BMW enthusiast at that point. Um, a BMW 320i and E21 was the first really good car I ever drove. And of course, you know, like today's standards, I'm not sure you'd call that a really good car, but at the time, <laughs> it yeah. was. And, sure. you know, so that set me on a certain path, you know, to always thinking very favorably about BMW. And I had some great experiences on BMW motorcycles, um, traveling around England and Ireland on some vintage oh. BMW bikes. But um, (laughs) yeah, so I came to the job with a certain amount of zeal for the brand already. But I have to say that I was a little bit underprepared in terms of knowledge. And Mm. stepping into that role and leading a magazine that was written for the most intense enthusiast body you could imagine, it was definitely challenging because. I think um, I had to put a lot of emphasis on fact-checking, and I had to learn how to be very careful about what we put into print because mm-hmm. our, our readers would call you out <laughs> on, the <most laughs> oh, minis- yeah. on the most minuscule um, errors that you could imagine. Yes. And, and yeah. the tendency, I think, is to dismiss those kinds of criticisms as being frivolous but, um, or trivial. 
but they're not. And I think that that experience really taught me the value of fact checking for one thing, but of proceeding Mm -hmm. with an enormous amount of care because not only were you dealing with things that people knew a lot about, but you were also dealing with things that they loved. And you had to take very good care to respect that and to respect their affection for the cars and for the brand and, and to really take care of that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I worked for many, many years helping build and create a company called Griot's Garage. And one of the things that we did on the marketing side of the business is to align ourselves with car clubs. Mm-hmm. And it was a really successful format. And I'll tell you, of all the clubs we got involved with, which were many, 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 and I'm members of lots of car clubs, it was the BMW Car Club. Those folks are the most rabid Car crazy bunch of folks in the world. And I mean that with all affection because I am one of them having a BMW, several BMWs in my garage. But I'll tell you, those were the folks you could always count on because they'd show up if it was raining. You know, some of the other clubs, oh, I don't want to bring my car out in the rain. It might melt, you know, and, and the BMW bike guys, especially the GS bike guys. I mean, they'd show up if it was snowing and there was mud on the road. I mean. Just diehard people. So I agree with you, but it's it's a great thing. I think uh, baptism by fire with the BMW group and Bimmer is probably a great way to start that role uh, with you for sure. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum, though. I'd love to hear about a career aha moment. I like to say it's a time when those off-road lights come on and illuminate a new path for you. Tell us about one of yours. Well, I... You touched on it a little earlier when you asked me about the photo that I had sent you. Um, and that was taken at the start of the 2007 Mille Miglia Storica in Brescia, Italy. And I participated in that at the invitation of BMW of North America, thanks to Rob Mitchell, who was then the corporate communications director. And it was an amazing experience. Um, I had plenty of experience on those roads, I had I'd ridden Ducatis on the great passes of Italy. I had experienced a lot of the Alpine passes, um, you know, in cars and on motorcycles. I, I'd done all that, but I'd never done it in quite such illustrious company, and surrounded by so many fabulous vintage cars and you know famous race car drivers and characters. And when I got back from that, I think the light that came on was that I had been given an amazing opportunity and that it was up to me at that point to make the most of it, to, mm. to really start to take things seriously and to give it my all. And I know that, you know, that may sound hard to, hard to conceptualize when you're talking about being an editor-in-chief, but what that meant to me was that I had to put all of my intellectual energy into the job and that I had to work as hard as I possibly could to make the best magazine that I could to, to do it to the highest standard that I was capable of and to enlist other people to contribute who would also do it on an exceptionally high level, whether as photographers or as writers. Um, and really just to, to take the most, to take that opportunity and make the most of it and to work as uncompromisingly as possible. And I, you know, I say uncompromisingly, I don't mean, you know, be a jerk about it, but <laughs> I just mean, you know, work to <laughs> work to a very high standard, work to the highest standard yes. to which I was capable. Yeah, well, I can tell you, and I've subscribed <laughs> to so many magazines over the decades that I was a longtime subscriber to Bimmer, Forza, 
still Roundell, uh, a lot of magazines that you worked on, uh, in fact, all of them actually. And uh, I loved that magazine. I really, really enjoyed it. Not only just because I'm into BMWs, but I thought it was really well done. So uh, you set the bar high and you achieved it for sure, in my opinion. How about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many in your life, but is there one you'd like to share? Well, I don't, uh, I try to avoid pride. I'll tell you that. I think, um, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, getting away from the fact that pride is considered a sin, you know, I'm not, I'm not a yes. religious, I'm not a religious <laughs> person, but I still think it's, you know, it's an appropriate way to consider that. Say the one thing that made me really happy. Well, there are a few things that, that made me really happy about doing Bimmer. Um, one was being able to give writers and photographers an opportunity like I had been given to do their best work, to show their work to good effect and to, to work with them to make the best possible result. Also to bring younger writers along and to give people a chance, um, to, you know, to have a venue in which to prove themselves. And the other aspect of that, it's, it's not unrelated, I was really glad that I was able to make Bimmer an inclusive space for both car enthusiasts and writers and photographers to make it a space mm-hmm. where the only thing that mattered was their passion for the cars, nice. you know, demographically inclusive men, women, rich, poor, white, black, Asian, you know, gay, straight, trans, you know, everyone was welcome there. And right. it, it was Great. never... You know, we weren't making a club. You know, it really was a big tent in which literally the only thing that mattered was, you know, were you interested in this? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, cars are the great equalizer, in my opinion, because when you go to car events, whether it's Pebble, Amelia or Cars and Coffee down the street, they do bring a very wide variety of people, all sorts of different people, socioeconomic levels Mm -hmm. of all kinds. But once you bring two car enthusiasts together, it doesn't really matter politics, whatever it might be, if you like cars, you're kind of automatically bonded. And I love the fact you did that because BMW for years has had the stigma of kind of the um, preppy, you know, snooty kind of person who drives the BMW. And, and thank goodness for what you did there and what's happened over time is that's kind of gone away. Because I don't think that's true. I don't look at myself that way. Maybe I was a little preppy back when. But, uh, <laughs> I hope I was never snooty. Uh, I know that I was always an enthusiast, and that's definitely what BMW people are. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about you for a moment and go back in time again. Talk about your first really special car, vehicle, or bike, and maybe share a memory you have about that. Okay. Um, I think if I were to name the most special vehicle I've ever owned – it would have to be a Honda RS125. And what that is, if you don't know, it's a customer Grand Prix bike. Mm. So it's you, you have to be a licensed racer to own one or to buy it new anyway. And you can't ride it on the street. It doesn't have lights. You can't put a license on it. Two-stroke, 125cc single, weighs about 157 pounds. I, I don't know what it weighs now, but this was back in 1998 when mine was new. Uh-huh. weighs about 157 pounds, made about... 45 to 50 horsepower. So tiny and exquisitely engineered, like a piece of jewelry. I guess people always describe things like that as. And Uh it was really fun to work on because it, it had been engineered to be assembled and disassembled repeatedly by privateer racers. You know, so everything 
everything was logical and everything was accessible and it was really, really fun to ride as well. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. but it also, I think, you know, more than the enjoyment of working on it and riding it, going racing was huge for me. I think I learned more about being successful in life by going racing than, you know, virtually anything else I've ever done because it taught me the value of preparation. And yes. You know, you have to be ready to go when your practice starts. You have to be ready to go when the green flag drops. And there are no excuses. You know, if you're not ready, it goes on without you. (laughs) And I watched a lot of people working on their bikes at the track. And and I thought thought to myself, you know, you had six weeks between races. Why didn't you do this then? (laughs) And, you know, and, and I didn't. I didn't necessarily know that at first myself, but I think I learned it pretty quickly. And, you know, I can't say I was ever, you know, a great or even probably a very good racer, but I enjoyed it. And, and I learned so much about, you know, as I said, preparation, 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 and also about, you know, riding that bike was a really interesting experience too, because when something weighs that little, you have to be very careful because every movement you make influences its direction. Mm. And yeah. so you have to learn how to be as calm and as still on the bike as possible. You know, it's not like riding a super bike. You don't wrestle it around. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's something on which you have to really zen out and, you know, be both aggressive and totally restrained at the same time. Well, Jackie, I had you on a pretty high pedestal, but you just moved up a few notches. Uh, <laughs> racing motorcycles. Oh, my gosh. You're my new hero. Um, <laughs> well, that's you know, any, pretty darn anyone, cool. Anyone can do it, really. It's, it's, not, it's a pretty accessible <laughs> form of motorsport. It's not expensive, and it's pretty easy you know, to get started on that. So I would encourage anyone who has even a remote interest and is not the sole breadwinner for their family to give it a try. Yeah. When I was at Griot's, I had a great lady I worked with. Her name was Jenny, and she worked in merchandising. What a wonderful person to work with. And she would go out and race bikes, much bigger bikes, uh, almost super bike level type bikes. And I just think, man, she is awesome. I mean, I just, your bike was painted pink too. She's even cooler, you know, it's just uh, really cool. But that bike, what a little jewel. I'm going to have to do a little research on that bike because I've, I know a lot about some older Italian bikes, little cafe racer type bikes and things like that, but I'm not familiar with that one. So I'm going to do a little research on that. Maybe you can send me a picture of that bike as well. Yeah, I'd love to see it. And I remind the listeners that that BMW 328 that Jackie talked about is going to be on her Cars Yeah show notes page. So make sure you go to the Cars Yeah website. You can see a picture of her sitting there next to Prince Leopold. Is that who you were sitting next to? Yes, I'm sitting next to Prince Leopold of Bavaria. Well, oh, fall, fall. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, riding around uh, the Mille Emilia with the prince and ri- racing motorcycles. Uh, I'm going to have to have you sign my autograph book. I think that's for sure. How about a bike or a car that you've sold that's given you some seller's remorse? Is there one of those in your life? There is. Yes. It's, it's sad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, well, it's not sad. I could get another one. It's because it's nothing. It's nothing extraordinary. It was my 2001 Z3 3.0. Ah, yeah. 
I loved that car. I really did. Mm. I have to say that every time I drove it, I had a blast. And it didn't matter whether mm. I was, you know, going to the grocery store, going to work, or or whatever. That car was just fun to drive. Really mm-hmm. energetic and responsive, and a little, um, little flawed, I would say. But the flaws made mm-hmm. it more fun. Um, yeah. Probably too much power for the chassis, and yeah. just oh, just a wonderful car. Yeah, my next door neighbor had one of those, and I thought it was really cool. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Satch Carlson have one of those for a while? I know he's got a Z8 now, but uh, he, he has a Z4 M Roadster. Um, so he ah, has, okay. yeah, he has the next generation, the more modern version. All right. Uh, mine yeah. is the retro styled one and he actually puts the top down on his. I have to say, I probably put the top down three or four times the whole time I owned that car, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'm not, not much of a roadster person to tell you the truth. I, I get dreadlocks in 10 minutes if I'm not wearing a hat. So it's not, hey, listen, yeah. <laughs> I don't want you complaining about hair. Okay. Because, uh, I'm a little challenged in that area. So, uh, yeah, I get sunburned when I drive around in a convertible car. So Drove one for many years when I lived in San Diego uh, down the coast highway every day. I had a 84 Carrera Cabriolet that I loved that car. It was great fun, but I always had to wear a hat. That's for sure. So, well, I would love for you to share what has you excited and fired up with the new year. We're into the new year here. Happy New Year to everybody. 2018, there's got to be some really cool things that have you just ready to go. Could you share a couple? Absolutely. I think the most exciting thing is the BMW CCA Foundation's 2002 exhibit, which I mentioned earlier. I'm peripherally involved with the exhibit itself, but I'm primarily authoring the book that will accompany that and which will obviously be for sale at the, <laughs> once, Very the exhibit, cool. yeah, once the exhibit goes live, just like the Heroes of Bavaria book was, um, is, mm-hmm. I should say. And that's a really neat book because, and it's a really neat project for me because it allows me to, first of all, to visit the BMW archive in Munich, which I'm about ready to leave for. But it also allows us to dig into some really interesting topics. It allows us to dig into, you know, the development history of the 2002 and primarily the enthusiasts who made that car a success. And, you know, I've met over the years as, as editor of Bimmer and, you know, in my travels, I've met a lot of people who bought their 2002s new and who still have it 50, you know, nice. 45, 50 years later. That's impressive. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's a great testament to how right that car was for so many people. And I think that'll be the most fun of all the research I do will be getting to talk to people and hearing their stories about how they've lived with these cars for so long and what they really love about them. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for the book to come out and get my hands on a copy of that and visit the exhibit. I think it's going to be great. I love those cars. I've I've got many friends who have them or have had them in the past and just um, enthusiastic crowd for those for sure. So I'm looking forward to that. It sounds like a lot of fun. Next time I have a question about a 2002, I know who to call. I'm calling Jackie Jaray. She's the expert. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Well, you will be. You will be for sure. I have no doubt about that. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Jackie. If you were a car, what kind of car would Jackie be and why? I'm going to take a cop out on that one. I think that's not for me to say. Oh, no. Yeah, I think I, I will. I will leave it to others to decide 
you know, what kind of an inanimate object I might be. I think, you know, self-description is probably something best avoided. Okay. Well, this is very interesting, Jackie, because I normally don't let people get away with this, but I'm going to let you pass, and here's why. There's one other person out of 938 people I have had the pleasure and honor of interviewing here on Cars, yeah. And that one other person that would not answer that question, do you have any guesses who it might be? None. <laughs> Den- Denise McCluggage. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so another lady journalist, and she answered it very much the way that you answered it, which is very interesting to me. So uh, there's something akin going on here. So uh, we'll let you uh, move on or well, pass on that, but... Go ahead. You know, I I would never put myself on a plane with Denise. I think that her achievements, <laughs> you know, she really, you know, I'm serious about that. I'm not being self-deprecating. I think her achievements were significant. And I think, you know, what she contributed to our understanding of the automobile over the years was great. And yes. I think her, her racing achievements and her personal achievements were fantastic. And I have the utmost respect for her. I really do. I met her on a couple of occasions. I can't say, you know, we were friends. I wish we had been, but I, that opportunity didn't come along. But mm-hmm. she was one of the best respected people in this entire field. And, you know, <laughs> being mentioned in the same sentence with Denise McCluggage is a real honor. Well, I, I mean it in all sincerity. And... I did get a very wonderful opportunity, thanks to another uh, woman who was a guest here, Diane Brandon, who's a good friend. I got to sit next to Denise in the Pebble Beach judges box when the cars were going over the podium there. And on one side of me was Denise, and the other side of me, Sir Jackie Stewart. I had to pinch myself and go, who do I talk to first? (laughs) They were both very kind, but Denise was so kind to spend some time really genuinely talking with me and then, of course, coming back on the show before we lost her. So I'll remind our listeners, go back and listen to Denise's show. I think you'll find it very interesting. And I, I just find it it's interesting that her answer to that question was similar to yours. And I believe if I remember right, she said, well, Mark, I would never be a car. And <laughs> if you knew Denise the little way I knew her, you did not want to push Denise to answer something she didn't want to answer. So we will move on and I will honor your your request here. You. <laughs> well, Jackie, you're welcome. Well, Jackie, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents 
who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Jackie, we are back, and we're on the last lap. You've been on the track many times. You know what that means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it or twist the throttle if we're on a bike. I'm going to give you some questions here and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice or motorcycle advice you've ever received? Change the fluids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, kind of basic, but you know. These days, especially, people just don't even think about it. The cars are just, I mean, gosh, you know, they go and go and go. But Well, not yeah, old school. <laughs> no, they'll eventually die if you don't change the fluids. So uh, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your many successes? Yeah, we touched on this earlier. I would say it's preparation. Do, do the background mm. research, do the work in advance, and you'll be good to go. You know, there's a relationship to that, to racing. I've had several hundred racers on the show, and almost all of them had said the same thing. The race is won before you get to the track. Absolutely. It's preparation. And mm-hmm. life is that way, too. So, very good. How about a resource? There are a lot of wonderful resources these days. Is there one or two you would share? I would genuinely suggest that people go to Monterey in August and have the real experience of being around the actual cars hearing them run, meeting the people, and maybe getting away from the computer, getting away from the books, getting away from the television set. Go do something that's tangible and real. And once in your life, if not every year, go to Monterey for the historic races and Pebble Beach and Legends of the Audubon and every other event that happens over that marvelous week in August. Oh, yeah. You know, this past August was my 25th year in a row going to Car Week. And I, every year I just think, am I ever going to get tired of this? And which is a silly question to ask myself, but <laughs> you just see so many more cool cars. You meet the best people. I, mm-hmm. I've ran into so many people and with what I'm doing here at Cars. Yeah, of course, people are actually starting to recognize me, which of course just thrills me to death when somebody says, Hey, are you that Cars? Yeah, guy. I'm like, really? Well, there's one person who recognizes me, but it is just the most marvelous event and it's just it's overload of course and you just can't do it all there but uh i'm glad you mentioned that yeah everybody who's a car enthusiast has to do that once at least once if not multiple times now if i could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry living or deceased who would that person be oh you know that is that is really a tough question for me to answer because i could come up with um a list of probably a hundred names Oh, I I know. I know. I always tell people, maybe just if it was today. Well, you know, it's funny. When I was looking at your list of questions and I saw that, I I really did try to give it a lot of thought. And 
One of the things that I've been very lucky to experience is to actually have a drink with a lot of my heroes and a oh, lot of people nice. whom I respect a great deal and some some of the great minds in the automotive business. But one who really stands out is no longer with us, and that was Paul Frere. And mm. Paul had written yeah. for Road and Track for years, but he had also been a Grand Prix racer. And I met him at a Ferrari event back in probably 2002, something like that, 2002, 2003, and sat next to him at dinner. And the interesting thing was, is that he was, I think he was on crutches at the time because he'd had a motorcycle accident, but he was probably 80 or 82 at the time. And he was, he was the, we were at Fiorano driving cars that day. He was by far the fastest of any of us. Um, still at that age. And he (laughs) was an absolute delight to have as a dinnertime companion, an utter Mm -hmm. gentleman, of course, with impeccable manners and just a terrific conversationalist who could converse about anything, you know, erudite, polite, charming. I mean, who could ask for a better dinner date really? And it was, it was so enjoyable. And, you know, if I could go back and do that again, (laughs) that would make my day. So, Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I, I never had the pleasure. So you're very fortunate to have been able to spend time with him. Uh, wonderful person. Everyone I've ever talked to that knew him speaks so highly of him. So that would be pretty darn special. Now, about a book, is there a book you've read or even the book that you wrote that you could recommend to our listeners? Well, <laughs> since you ask, I think. Of course. I Well, you know, I actually I would. I would be delighted if people enjoy Heroes of Bavaria, which is the book that I did for the BMW CCA Foundation, which is out now. And that mm-hmm. has a side benefit for BMW enthusiasts especially, is which is that a great part of the price is tax deductible because it is a charitable endeavor. And mm. when you buy the book, hopefully you enjoy it, but you're also supporting the foundation's mission, and that's twofold. It is to encourage teen driving safety through the street survival program that is conducted yes. with the car rack, uh, tire rack. That goes all around the country. It's trained you know, tens of thousands of kids to, to be better drivers, and which obviously would save lives. But the foundation is also engaged with promoting BMW history and preserving history. And that is obviously a mission that goes beyond any of us as individuals. So, and I hope people enjoy the book. There were 25 really significant race cars that were part of that exhibit, and each one has its own history. It's lived its life, so to speak, as an individual, and so we trace all of that, and I'm able to, I think, illuminate the work of some very talented engineers, technicians, managers, drivers, designers, and and hopefully shed some light on what was happening behind the scenes to make these cars go. Beyond that, though, I actually, you know, rather than just engaging in a little bit of self-promotion and to get off the car topic a little bit, I think one of the most I don't read a lot of car books. I use them for research, you know, and then that's mm-hmm. a very that's a very different purpose to reading. Right. But I think if I could encourage people to read any one book right now, it would probably be Eric Foner's Reconstruction, which is a history of the post-Civil War era in the United States. Mm. And I think that the the events of that period continue to resonate in this country. And I think his mm-hmm. research continues to be supremely important in understanding the world we live in. 
Um, and I think that is quite honestly, a lot more important. Cars are fun, you know, and we all need to get around and, you know, we love these things, but, you know, there are bigger issues at play in all of our lives. And I think that it's incumbent upon all of us to take history seriously enough to read real research and to think about the world we live in and how it was shaped and to not simply look at the present in isolation, because a lot of what we're experiencing in this country has roots that go back much, much further than the 20th century. And it's important for us to proceed thoughtfully and with knowledge of history and with an understanding of where we come from and why things continue to be problematic in this country. So anyway, that's, that's my serious note for the day, but back to the cars. <laughs> There you go. Very well said. Well, it's great. That's the first time that book's been recommended here on Cars Yeah. So I'm happy that it will be on your show notes page and it will also be on a great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books. It's in the menu tab up there. Just go to resources and I've got these books and all the past recommendations from my past 938 inspiring automotive enthusiast books listed there. I've made it really easy with a little click to buy. So check out that resource. Thousand, over a thousand books there now. Very cool. Yeah. It's overwhelming sometimes, but somebody's got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jackie, up next is the checkered flag. So here we go. This last question can be a bit of a doozy though. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, collector motorcycle, Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I'm going to park it in your garage. Money's no object, so don't worry about that. What would that vehicle be and why? Oh, you know, again, it's like I could probably name a hundred different cars that I would love to have in my garage. (laughs) Well, of course. I'm probably going to go with something that's going to seem like a cliche given my, uh, my work history, but I think I would actually take a 328. And the reason I say that is because a 328 is just plain fun to drive. It was so far ahead of its time, engineering-wise. And if you haven't, I know you've driven one, Mark, but for those who haven't, it looks like an old car, and yeah. it doesn't drive like one. You know, it's, it's genuinely agile. It has brakes that work. It has just enough power, but it's mostly, it's just a blast, yeah, it really beautiful it, too. Yeah, it is. It's you know, I think if you want to go for sheer beauty in the BMW world, take a five oh seven and it's worth more too. But it's not as fun to drive, you know, by a long shot compared to the three twenty eight. The three twenty eight is just a blast. You can't stop smiling when you're driving it. And the performance <laughs> is genuinely remarkable for a car that was engineered in nineteen thirty six and nineteen thirty seven. Right. But, but yeah. that said, I mean, you know, if you offered me an old Auto Union and a Mercedes Grand Prix car, I wouldn't say no to one of those either. <laughs> well, yeah, I think not. I think not. But, uh, well, it's a nice choice. And again, I'll remind our listeners, there's a great picture of Jackie and uh, her pal sitting in a th- beautiful white 328 getting ready for the Mille Emilia mm-hmm. uh, on her show notes page. So uh, make sure you go check that out. Well, Jackie, you've taken us on a great ride today. I've been so enjoyed getting to know you better. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Would you offer us one little piece of guidance or wisdom before you drive off into the sunset in that 328 BMW? Yeah, I would encourage people to travel as widely as they can, to go to other countries, get your passport, go to other countries, meet people, talk to people, travel by yourself. Don't be afraid of the world. 
it's a lot of fun and it's enlightening. And I think now more than ever, it's probably important just to come to understanding, to come to understand how other people think in other parts of the world and, you know, what they care about and what their concerns are and to get to know other people as human beings. Learn another language, too. (laughs) Yeah, that helps as well. And, of course, running into other car enthusiasts all over the world, you'll realize we're all just the same. We're all enthusiasts. We're all happy and fun and and just want to preserve these wonderful machines that uh, have been entrusted to us. So very nice advice. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're up to these days? Well, you can read my work in Roundell, occasionally in Vintage Motorsport magazine. You can look for the books coming out uh, through the BMW CCA Foundation. There you go. Well, listeners, I'll make sure I put links to everything Jackie has shared on her Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Jackie Jore, J-O-U-R-E-T. It's the spelling of her last name. That page will pop right up. And I would encourage you to uh, investigate, especially the BMW CCA at a great foundation, and I mentioned early in the show, if you want to go back and listen to the talk I had with Scott Dishman, who's the executive director there, uh, really an interesting and worthwhile organization to get involved with, even if you're not into BMW's diehard. Uh, I think it's a, a good place to go. Jackie, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I will see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253 253- 722 plan or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders or 12 or 16 securities through money concepts capital corp member finra sipic